today on Laura Lynn and Friends. So I don't know if they're just if they're just testing us with these fear-mongering stories in the media. Like I said, right. only two deaths right now. Uh, they're testing hundreds of people. Uh, maybe they're just testing to see if people will, will notice and if people will react. Or maybe this is planting the seeds for some bigger event that may be coming down the line. Well, hello, everyone, and welcome to the beginning of the last days. You can see that I'm not in my usual place, but um, I am actually in Ottawa, and you will be seeing this. Probably I'll be back home by then. And uh, so we have some big things going down here. But we did not want to miss an opportunity to speak with Dr. William Mackis about what is happening, all the fear-mongering that's going on. I love to start my shows by reading from my dad's Bible, but I don't have it here with me because I don't want a chance losing my dad's Bible, you know, dropping it off somewhere and never finding it again. So I am opening mine, which happens to also be uh, heavily underlined, all right, because I love this word. It helps me. So I kind of shoved it open, and guess what? I it drops onto this page that I've underlined in the past, Romans 2, verse 7, to those who by perseverance, persistence, sorry, in doing good, seek glory, honor, and immortality, he will give eternal life. But for those who are self-seeking and who reject the truth and follow evil, there will be wrath and anger. I don't know about you, but I don't want to be on God's wrathful side. And it kind of looks like what's been going on in the world. It's making us all a little bit hot under the collar. Uh, I've certainly felt very angry about it all. Uh, but I... Um, I know somebody that has been reporting some information that is factual, it's accurate, and uh, Dr. William Mackis always knows what he's talking about. He's a hero to our country because he has refused to bow to the system where thousands of doctors across this country, um, they know something's wrong, and they don't talk about it, but Dr. William Mackis does. I hope you'll follow him on his Substack. Uh, we welcome you to the show, Dr. Mackis. Thank you very much. I know you're busy. I know that you just reported, uh, had an extensive day reporting on some information to some key lawyers and such. So we are hearing and getting this terrible word that, you know, oh, there's a new virus and a lot of stuff's happening. So what can you tell us about that? Hi, Laurelyn. Thanks for having me again. I've been seeing reports in the mainstream media uh, about the Nipah virus. N-I-P-A-H, Nipah virus, this is coming out of India. And you know, whenever you see a mainstream media reporting in unison, when you have five or 10 mainstream media outlets reporting the same thing, you know that there's some kind of propaganda uh, that's, that's being pushed. And so recently they're fear-mongering with this new virus. It's actually not a new virus, it's been, it's been around for a while. Uh, but what's different about the Nipah virus is that it has a very high mortality. And so I, I've suspected for a long time that, you know, people are sick of COVID-19. Nobody's scared of COVID-19 anymore. It doesn't matter if you call it the Kraken variant or if you call it the Eris variant or XBB.1.5. No, no one really cares about this, this stuff anymore. And, and so it's hard to fearmonger with the same thing with uh, Omicron and, and COVID-19. And people are not really taking their booster shots anymore either. Right. And so now you have Teresa Tam comes out and says, uh, you know, everyone get your new updated booster shots uh, and people just, you know, they don't want to hear this anymore. So there's a new virus uh, that they're starting to scaremonger with. 
Now, the Nipah virus is, um, is very interesting because it has a high mortality rate. So it allegedly kills anywhere from 40 to 75% of people that get infected with it. Right now, there are a couple of cases in India. Uh, I believe there have been two deaths. Uh, they've tested 800 uh, locals. This is sort of the south southwestern part of India. And, and that part of the world tends to have uh, these outbreaks uh, every now and then. Uh, it's limited to only a few people. It doesn't seem to spread that easily. And it's a type of virus that uh, gives you, they'll say again, nonspecific symptoms, you know, fever, headache. Um, you can get respiratory symptoms like coughing. But uh, another feature of this that's very interesting is uh, encephalitis, which is uh, inflammation of the brain. So people can get these big headaches and they can go into convulsions, seizures, and go into a coma. And of course, very high fatality rate. And so I looked uh, a little bit into this, and it's a virus that can be carried by fruit bats. Uh, it's not a respiratory virus, so you have to come into contact with it. And people come into contact with it by consuming fruit that has come into contact with these uh, bats, these fruit bats that are carrying this virus. Now, I have uh, I have a quick little guide. I call it the, the Dr. Macus guide to uh, any new pandemic. And, uh, you know, if there's any new pandemic in the future, you can just follow this quick three-step guide, uh, you know, to quickly get answers uh, and, and see what's behind uh, any new pandemic. And so these three steps are you basically, you look for the gain-of-function research that's been done on that virus. You look for the live simulation exercises that have been done on that virus. And then you look for the mRNA vaccine that they're wow. making, that they're making for <laughs> right. that virus. And so there, there's your quick <laughs> guide. And if you can find those things, then you know you've got a, another pandemic on your hands that's been very the carefully. Formula. That's the formula, right? And so wow. I, I, I did that with this Nipah virus. And believe it or not, I found, um, I found evidence of gain of function in the Wuhan lab. There was US Senate testimony last year that in the Wuhan lab, they're doing gain-of-function research um, on this Nipah virus uh, with, um, I think, the fatality rate that they were playing with was 60%. Uh, guess what? Um, Canadians are implicated in this as well. The Winnipeg lab. The Winnipeg lab sent uh, samples of the Nipah virus um, to the Wuhan lab. So right again, we have the same kind of connections, you know, that we saw uh, with the COVID pandemic. Um, so, you know, it's implicating these uh, Chinese scientists uh, at the Winnipeg lab uh, sending uh, samples of this deadly virus. And of course, last year, uh, NIH funded clinical trials of the Nipah mRNA vaccine, which is uh, being uh, done in partnership with Moderna. And this was just last year that they started trials on an mRNA vaccine for this for this very virus. So, you know, right again, we have all the key ingredients. Um, and then uh, the graphic you, you just showed, um, this is a graphic from a story that was held in 2021 from Gavi. Gavi, which is the, you know, this vaccine uh, alliance with the Bill and Melinda Gates Foundation, 
this article came out in 21 saying the next pandemic, Nipah virus. Nipah virus can kill as many as three out of four people it infects, you know, carried by fruit bats that come into contact with humans and so on. Here we explain why the development of drugs and vaccines for this disease is becoming increasingly more urgent. So, you know, again, you've got all the key ingredients to potentially another pandemic. And the most interesting part of this, and this one, I'm going to really, uh, this will really, uh, you know, you're going to love this one. So in 2018, there was a simulation exercise uh, done uh, by, hosted by John Hopkins and some very key people in the United States. And uh, people can look this up themselves. It's called Clade X. Uh, C-L-A-D-E-X, so it's like a virus X, right? And this was a one-day exercise, uh, and it was on the Nipah virus, but it was a, it was a Nipah virus that had been genetically uh, altered and engineered as a bioweapon, and it was crossed with uh, influenza virus to make it easily spread um, through the respiratory route. So um, the simulation they ran was that there was a cult that wanted to reduce the world's population you you can't make this up i wish i was making this up so you have a, you had this terrorist group that was uh, the goal was to reduce the world's population to pre-industrial levels and they release this um, this engineered nipah virus they release it on a number of cities and then of course the us goes into lockdowns and they run the simulation that over 20 months of lockdowns and travel restrictions of course they ban travel uh to certain countries and of course they rush to get vaccines out and so on and in this simulation they simulated 150 million deaths so something on another level than you know we saw with the covid 19 simulations um, and one of the very interesting findings that came out of the, the simulation was that uh, they said American healthcare had to be forcibly nationalized uh, as part of the simulation. Um, just a, you know one of these interesting tidbits. And that what, and you know, what would that mean? I'm not sure. I guess, I guess you know the American healthcare comes completely under the control of the government, um, and, and that was apparently a necessary step. In, in the simulation exercise to, you know, deal with 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 the outbreak. Of course, they shut down uh, air travel completely to certain countries. Uh, there was uh, travel restrictions between states in the United States. So individual states put restrictions on travel so you couldn't leave the state. Um, and um, yeah, and, and of course, deployment of military tents uh, and isolation units and this kind of stuff. Uh, so people can actually read about this. This simulation took place in May 2018. So they ran this exercise back in 2018. And of course, you know, last year they started the vaccine trials. Uh, and I've just been contacted by somebody from U.S. Freedom Flyers um, who says that uh, in his city, they've gotten permits to build these facilities to house these fruit bats that are supposed to be carrying this Nipah virus and they want to study it and so on. So there is there's a lot of meat to this to this story. And uh, so I don't know if they're just if they're just testing us with these fear mongering stories in the media. Like I said, right. only two deaths right now. Uh, they're testing hundreds of people. Uh, maybe they're just testing to see if people will, will notice and if people will react. Or maybe this is planting the seeds for some bigger event that may be coming down the line. 
You know, my, my concern, Dr. Marcus, is that uh, they failed with COVID to do what yeah. maybe they planned. Um, if, if this virus, I mean, is it always going to be just from these bats? Because if we don't have bats in North America like that, maybe we don't have to worry about this one. Would well, you say? no. So, so, so it's not just bats, right? I mean, that's the problem. Uh, pigs as well. And okay. uh, pigs, pigs can, can carry this virus as well. And, and so, you know, the concern there is that if they say, well, it's gotten into the, the pig population. So now they could go after... Uh, they could go after pork, right? They could go and, and say, okay, well, we, not to, we need to kill all the pigs, right? Wow, uh, and then that's the end of bacon, and that sucks. That's the end of bacon, and I love bacon, so. <laughs> yeah, I know, I know. Okay, so, Dr. Marcus, if they keep messing with this, I mean, this is very dangerous, what they're doing. And eventually, if they're literally, they, they want to keep having these fun sessions of imagining 150 million dying, is that what they're really trying to do? One has to ask if they're going to be so foolish as to keep uh, doing this. How, how do they end up predicting, you know, the coronavirus and, you know, doing these, um, you know, th these, uh, you know, random testing like, oh, maybe this or this can happen. And all of a sudden it does. Uh, we're kind of in danger looking forward. Well, you know what? I mean, they did run a simulation on on the coronavirus as well, right? A few months before few months before the the outbreak, so they do run these simulations. Um, I think another one was like a smallpox terrorist attack, and but this one is very interesting because you could say, okay, well, that was 2018. It was long ago. It was John Hopkins, right? John Hopkins was, um, you know, the institution that had the counter for the coronavirus deaths, the the counter that we saw. Uh, running every day with the cases and deaths. Uh, they they ran the simulation, they hosted the simulation. But what worries me is that um, they started vaccine trials last year for a virus that's not an issue in, in this part of the world. Why is Moderna investing so much into creating a vaccine for something that's not affecting anybody in this part of the world, uh, funded by NIH? Uh, NIH apparently uh, poured several million dollars into additional research uh, into this virus just uh, two years ago. So there's there's whenever there's money being poured into something, that's when I start to get concerned. Uh, whenever they're right. doing, whenever they're making a, a vaccine for something, I start to get concerned. Uh, and so um, you know, this is something again. It's something to keep an eye on because I think to get us you know to take any kind of mRNA vaccine again, they're going to need to scare the population with something big. And this is one of the potential big things that they could scare us with, right? And so I think people just need to be aware. And you know what's interesting about this? Let's say this thing comes to pass and there's some, they, they release some form of this, right? I'm sure that they'll, they'll overhype it and then they'll, they'll, you know, they'll overclock the PCR tests again. And then all people, all kinds of people will be testing positive that actually don't have anything because uh, the symptoms are nonspecific. You know, it's, it's, but I am worried a little bit about this issue of, uh, you know, that it causes convulsions and seizures and, and these, mm -hmm. these neurological symptoms, because, you know, there are these theories that maybe there was something in the COVID vaccines that could be activated externally through some kind of, uh, you know, radio frequency 5G. And I know that these are just theories and conspiracy theories, but 
one of the, you know, the kinds of symptoms you could get if there is external activation would be neurological symptoms, would be things like seizures and, uh, you know, encephalitis-like symptoms. So, you know, is that something that's, that's potentially in play? You know, I kind of think of that. Um, if, if, if a lot of people suddenly start coming down with convulsions and seizures and they're, they're COVID vaccinated, I'm going to really have to revisit, uh, you know, this, this conspiracy theory that, um, that there may be something being externally activated to get large numbers of people having severe reactions, right? But that's, that's one of the symptoms of this thing. Um, and then other symptoms are just nonspecific. So they could easily overclock PCR tests. Um, and get large numbers of positive cases and cause panic, right? It, it, it's about, I think, the next thing that's going to get people to potentially take uh, mRNA vaccines again, it has to be something that causes a widespread panic because people are just not buying the typical uh, COVID uh, nonsense anymore. And, you know, they've tried new variants, Kraken variant, Eris variant, and people are just not buying it. Wow, so much to keep an eye out uh, on. And I'm glad that you're watching. I mean, it's one of the reasons that everybody, you need to follow uh, Dr. Mackis' Substack because he is on the cutting edge of reporting to us exactly what's going on. One of the other things that you're following is about the flight attendants suffering COVID-19 vaccine injuries, sudden deaths, all of these things. You, you list a whole bunch of things. Uh, it's, it's still going on. It is. And so, you know, a lot of focus gets placed on, on the pilots and rightfully so. I mean, you know, pilots having health issues after vaccination, you know, they're flying a plane with 200 people on the plane. Uh, and if they have cardiac arrest and they're incapacitated, you know, that's they have those lives in their hands. And so, you know, we had a lot of pilot incapacitations in August, uh, several deaths as well in flight. Uh, there was a pilot uh, I believe it was Indigo Air uh, in India, who was about a 40-year-old pilot who was about to board a plane to fly the plane <clears throat> and collapsed at the gate, had a cardiac arrest and died at the gate as he was about oh to board gosh. the plane that he was about to fly. And so we had uh, three or four deaths of pilots in August. It seems to have slowed down uh, a little bit again. Um, so, you know, the deaths of the pilots and the collapses, it seems to go in waves. Uh, we had a big wave in August. We had another big wave back in March as well. Uh, so you know those are those are really quite uh, quite concerning and frightening. But it, it's happening to it's happening to um, yeah. So there was another one at the end of August. Uh, I think that pilot survived. This was Air Canada, actually, uh, Vancouver to Ottawa. Uh, pilot uh, became incapacitated, and uh, so those are always concerning. And I try to report those uh, always when, whenever I see them. And I keep a running total uh, of all the incapacitations for the last six months so people can have a look and see just how frequently this is happening. But, you know, again, uh, it's happening to flight attendants as well. Um, they were all uh, forced with the uh, COVID vaccine mandates to be vaccinated. You know, these airlines were boasting uh, of having, you know, 95, 99% vaccination rates. They forced these vaccines on, on the poor flight attendants as well. And, you know, the, the problem with the flight attendants, uh, when I had a close, closer look at it recently, um, you know, because there, were, there was a sudden death in flight of a flight attendant. Uh, of course, some of them died in their sleep, but a lot of them are coming down with cancers, with these uh, highly aggressive cancers. There's one flight attendant that came down with two cancers, um, very aggressive, 
late stage cancers. Uh, so I document some of this, um, you know, in, recently in my Substack. Uh, it's, you know, I, I, I testified yesterday at the National Citizens Inquiry, and uh, it's, um, I was given actually a total of three hours. Uh, it ended up being a three hour presentation testimony uh, with questions and answers, very detailed. I provided uh, 60 documents to the National Citizens Inquiry uh, supporting documents. I have published um, uh, a paper in vaccine injury uh, related to autoimmune issues and cancer. Uh, and we have two more papers with Dr. Peter McCullough on sudden deaths in vaccinated people and myocarditis uh, deaths as well. And those are uh, under peer review. So, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm doing research peer reviewed, uh, trying to get it peer reviewed and published. Uh, and so, um, you know, but one of the topics that we really focused on was the turbo cancers, uh, because the National Citizens Inquiry hasn't had anyone testify about the turbo cancers that are happening in vaccinated people. And so I gave them an extensive testimony uh, on these cancers, you know, the types of cancers in young people, uh, how these cancers behave and what are the potential mechanisms behind these cancers. And so, you know, as I'm as I was looking at the flight attendants uh, dying in the past year, they're coming down with these horrific cancers. Uh, and, you know, it's exactly the type of cancers you'd expect to see after COVID vaccination. Wow. And, you know, and you, you, you're also reporting still on um, sudden infant uh, deaths um, and things like this. So let me ask you something. If somebody had a shot like back in 2021, um, are you able to tell the correlation between when they had their shot? Like, is it two years after the shot? Is it a year after the shot? Or did they just get a booster? Are you looking for that? And is it hard to tell because you don't have their medical records? It's hard to tell. So, you know, we're all, I'm always dealing with incomplete information. Uh, but from at least from what I can gather, um, when you look at Canadians are not taking booster shots, only 5% of Canadians have taken a booster in the last six months. And, and so when you look at these uh, sudden deaths, people haven't taken a booster recently. You know, the last booster they might have taken was a year ago, a year and a half ago, and they're still coming down with these problems. And that's the thing is that I really think, I really believe that there are long-term problems with these vaccines. You know, people have been asking me, if I had my last shot a year ago, a year and a half ago, am I safe? You know, have I, you know, cleared that period of danger uh, after the vaccine? And the answer is no, there is no, there seems to be no safe period. Uh, people really, you know, when, they proudly announce that they take their vaccines. Uh, in a lot of these sudden deaths, their last shot was a year ago, year and a half ago, and they still come down with the cancers, with the myocarditis, blood clots, sudden cardiac death. Uh, so there seems to be no safe period. So anyone who's even stopped taking the vaccines should probably still be taking something to address the, the spike protein, to break down the spike protein or block the spike protein because uh, they're it just, there seems to be long-term effects uh, in the vaccinated, even if they've stopped taking the vaccines. One of the things that you had uh, reported about that might be helpful would be taking natokinase or NAC. Do you still stand by those products? And also your very good uh, friend and colleague, Dr. Trozzi talks about fasting. Um, any thoughts on those kind of remedies? Yeah, so I've, I've focused um, in the last um, 
few months, I've, I've focused my attention on the fasting, especially longer term fasting, three days. Some people can even try four days, five days. If you've been vaccine injured, you, you get even more of the benefits. But I really do recommend fasting as a, as a, as a natural way uh, to try to clear some of the spike protein out of your body. You won't be able to clear all of it. You know, you might be able to clear some of it, clear out the damaged cells and reboot your immune system. Because uh, even when we look at these turbo cancers, you know, I was giving this extensive testimony to the National Citizens Inquiry yesterday, and I was talking about how the immune system is damaged. And it's damaged over time. Uh, the damage seems to sort of increase with time. So let's say you have your shot. The immune system isn't going to be damaged instantly. You know, you might see the maximal effect of that damage six months later or 12 months later. You're killing off immune cells like T cells. You're damaging them. You're interfering with, with their signaling. And, and so um, when you fast for three days, you're rebooting your immune system. You're, you're, you're basically, your body says, okay, these T cells are damaged. I'm just going to eliminate them and I'm going to get some stem cells and I'm going to get the stem cells to produce new immune cells. So you're really rebooting parts of your immune system. Uh, and that is really, um, really uh, a, a big help um, to anyone who's had long COVID, who's been vaccine injured, uh, and who's had problems with shedding as well. <clears throat> so I highly recommend fasting. And I think I'm, I'm always going to recommend fasting. And you have to do it minimum two days, ideally three days to get those benefits. Autophagy, and that's the body's process of, of destroying those damaged cells. And I do stand behind, mm -hmm. um, you know, enzymes like natokinase, bromelain. I know that Dr. McCullough is, is uh, putting a lot of attention on natokinase and bromelain are enzymes. You know, natokinase is from the fermented soybeans. Bromelain is from pineapple plants to break down the spike protein. And, and you know, these are, these are safe, these are safe uh, supplements. And you can try to break down some of the spike protein. Uh, so people should be taking those uh, regularly. And I would add to that uh, things like quercetin, um, things like N-acetylcysteine, NAC, in, these are powerful antioxidants. Olive leaf extract is another powerful uh, antioxidant and anti-cancer agent. So the quercetin and the olive leaf and the black seed, uh, they have anti-cancer properties. And so you could actually be not just blocking the spike protein, but you're actually giving yourself protection uh, against potentially some of these turbo cancers that are showing up later on. Um, and so, you know, yes, I mean, it's, you know, you've got a number of supplements, uh, and some people might not like to take, you know, five, six supplements a day, but you know, it's a, it's a very, very small price to pay to get some health benefits and some protection, uh, because, you know, we're all being exposed to the spike protein in one way or another. And that's the problem. Right. You talk about shedding, um, yeah. you know, and, and there's been some very significant, uh, you know, papers that have been written lately regarding this shedding and other ways they're trying to get the mRNA into us, aerosols or food, yeah. I don't know. So do, do you think in a way we all have to maybe take measures like a good fast would probably be good for all of us? Absolutely. Absolutely. And, you know, I would even suggest, you know, I've done two three day fasts now in the past month and, um, it, it's 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 an it's an amazing because it's an amazing experience because you really get that psychological break from food as well right and and i think a lot of people they'll, they'll i need that 
they'll eat a lot, you know, because of, of the stress. I mean, we're all under stress, right? Uh, but there's a stress yeah. eating, stress snacking. And, you know, I even find myself too, you know, I'm, I'm writing articles in the middle of the night and I'm, I'm constantly, you know, going downstairs yeah. to grab something yeah. to eat. And exactly. So you get that break, you get that psychological break from this when you're doing a mm-hmm. three-day fast. Uh, you get clarity. Yeah. Uh, you get clarity of mind. That's really amazing. And that that is, there's um, there's reasons for that. Your body actually starts to reduce, uh, sorry, starts to release uh, neurochemicals that stimulate the brain and, and stimulate actually some repair mechanisms in the brain as well. So you get this really kind of clarity of thought, clarity of mind. Uh, and I highly recommend it. And I think, you know, it's something that you could do. You could do it once a month, for example. Um, you know, you could even try to do it twice a month uh, and try to clear some of this exposure to this spike protein and maybe additional toxins, right, that we're exposed to in the environment, whether it's something being sprayed, you know, in the skies or uh, exposure of of toxins in the food. Uh, I think the fasting really helps clear a lot of those things out. Uh, So that's something that everyone can do, whether you're vaccinated or not. Uh, Okay, so... Yeah. I was just wondering about the actual fast. Like, what does that look like to you? Is it like just... uh a cup of tea, some water, drink water, but no food. Uh, do you suggest a little protein? That's it. Like boring chicken or nothing, nothing. So, so it's, um, oh. it's called a water fast. So it's a three day okay. water fast, uh, just water. Now, uh, the first time I did it, I did it just water, nothing else. And I had bad headaches, maybe because I'm a coffee drinker. And so, uh, you can do it with black coffee no sugar, no cream, because that would break the fast. But you can do it with black coffee. You can do it with tea. Uh, you know, people drink like, you know, they'll put lemon in their water. Um, you could do uh, some, you could add some electrolytes as well to your water, you know, a little bit of salt or, or like an electrolyte mix. Uh, but anything else, you know, would, would break the fast. Uh, and so the second time I did it, I did it a few days ago, actually. Um, and I did it, uh, with black coffee and, and it was fine. I didn't have any headaches. Uh, and it really goes by quite quickly. Uh, once you're not thinking about food, you're not thinking about preparing food. You're not thinking about snacking or eating. Uh, you'd be actually amazed how, how quickly it goes by. And, you know, you're very productive. Uh, I found, uh, I was quite productive with, with my Substack articles and, um, it goes by quite quickly and it is quite doable. Yes. Okay. Well, um, I'll have to give it my best because I'm basically a, um, I, you know, I need protein or I get those headaches. Um, so, uh, there you go. Okay. JT's asleep at the wheel. I'll tell you what he's doing. He's probably dealing with one of those, uh, people that show up or something. Um, okay. Um, Dr. Mackis, uh, for, I do want to ask you one final question about shedding. So if somebody is married, I, I have this with a girlfriend. She's married to someone who is vaccinated and of course, close relationship. They're married. Um, this, is it, is it as serious as having the vaccine? Do you think, or is it, you know, do we know to what degree we're being affected? It's not, it's nowhere as serious as, as taking the vaccine. And, and, and so, you know, this is some people fear monger about this. Um, but there's really no evidence that that you can get vaccinated from shedding uh, or have uh, you know similar kinds of of symptoms. 
there's a bit of a concern and and I'll, I'll tell you um i'll tell you about this the idea of shedding actually comes from pfizer and pfizer put in their document a, a, a very nice description about shedding now they don't call it shedding they call it environmental exposure and they put it in uh, the section of um when it comes to pregnancy uh, safety precautions in pregnancy so they call it environmental exposure in pregnancy and they talk about two types of shedding they talk about um uh, someone who gets shedding from and they literally say inhalation or skin contact uh, and so this is when the spike protein is actually being breathed out in these little particles called exosomes and then an unvaccinated person can actually breathe those in or you can get contact skin contact through any kind of bodily fluid right uh, sweat saliva um, and other bodily fluids uh, so that's one type of shedding exposure that you can get the other type is is fascinating this is in the pfizer clinical trial documents is when a a man is exposed um, through shedding to the pfizer product uh, so either again inhalation or skin contact and then that man has relations with a woman who's unvaccinated and can then pass on that material to her. This is almost like a two-step removal, right? It's sort of like, uh, you know, you get shed on and then you come into contact with somebody else and then expose them to what you've been exposed to. And Pfizer actually put this in their trial that that is a concern that that should be reported to their safety officer within 24 hours. And, and the, the reason why they put that is they were worried about uh, pregnant women and what it might do to the fetus. Uh, so there have been reports of, of miscarriage because of shedding. It's very rare, but that is about as, as serious as, as you can get. Now, uh, another, another reaction uh, would be bleeding. And, and so if, if you're unvaccinated and you're having relations with someone who's vaccinated and you start to bleed, uh, and maybe they've been vaccinated recently, uh, then that could be because of shedding of, and whether it's the shedding of the lipid nanoparticles with the mRNA or shedding of the spike protein, um, you might have a reaction like bleeding. So what I would suggest in those situations is do not have relations with someone who's been recently vaccinated. Wait at least several weeks, uh, maybe a month, uh, or, you know, or, or at least use protection. Uh, and, um, you know, even, even Pfizer says, okay, don't try to get pregnant, uh, you know, at least several months, um, if, if you've been recently vaccinated. So, so do take some precautions. Um, if it's, if it's someone who's been vaccinated a long time ago and you haven't seen any reactions, then it probably you're fine. Okay. I do really believe in that shedding thing because I remember when, uh, this all broke, everyone was getting their vaccines and there was a rash of women began reporting about un unusual um, menstrual cycles, very yeah. odd things were happening. And uh, me and a girlfriend uh, did a show on this because, um, well, we understood what was, what was happening and it was so bizarre. And then to find out it's not just, oh, like my body's acting weird, it's actually uh, something really is hitting North America in a very bad way. And of course we were unvaccinated. So something you know, weird is happening. You know, it's interesting because 
Um, if anybody wants to, uh, I, I can I can give them you know the document. I've put it in in, in a couple of my Substacks, but it's a it Pfizer actually refers to this as environmental exposure. So they knew when they were running their trial. Now this is in the trial documentation. This is actually before they start they start their trial. They knew that you could uh, transfer their product. In, in the environment and they actually say inhalation or skin contact. It's in their clinical trial document. It's not a conspiracy theory, right? Um, and, and so they described this ability of their product to get transmitted through air or through uh, bodily fluids through skin contact. So it, it's a very real phenomenon. Um, and I believe that it's more of an issue shortly after vaccination that's probably when you're shedding the most of this stuff and then as your body slowly clears the lipid nanoparticles out of the bloodstream and then eventually you know the mrna if, if there's mrna still floating around mrna could be floating around in your blood for up to a month so you could actually be shedding mrna in uh, extracellular vesicles or exosomes that your own body produces for about a month after vaccination. And then the spike protein, I just did a paper, uh, an article recently, the spike protein is being found up to six months after vaccination. So you could be shedding that for the entire six months and then potentially longer, but no one knows because no one has really studied or tested it for longer. So uh, it is something to be aware of. And some people react to shedding. Uh, and you know, in that case, I would say take extra precautions um, you know, as we discussed, you know, all, all the treatments are the same, same for shedding long COVID, uh, for COVID infection and for vaccine injury. It's the same issues. It's, it's the same treatment. It's fasting. It's breaking down the spike protein with enzymes like natokinase, bromelain, blocking the spike protein with quercetin, olive leaf, black seed, dandelion root, uh, antioxidants like NAC and vitamin C strengthening your immune system with vitamin d is a big one um and you know magnesium selenium that again strengthens your immune system uh, vital vital minerals uh so these are these are things that everyone should be doing um to protect themselves wow thank you for all the information that you give us um dr Marcus, your substack you do have a, a paid substack as well is that correct yeah, yeah so I, so yes I want to encourage everyone to to do that to help you like here you are like you know sacrificing for the entire world right now dr Marcus, and we appreciate it how do we help you thank you uh you know i i do keep the paid subscription at the substack minimum uh, so that's the minimum uh, that they allow uh and i believe it's five us a month um five dollars us and my substack is macsmd.substack.com I've started putting out videos, um, videos like our videos, for example. I, I've, I've started putting out, you know, more video content on my Substack as well. So I'm trying to do, you know, one article a day and one video a day. And then sometimes I'll put additional video clips. Uh, you know, so there's a tremendous amount of, of information. And I really I'm trying to document as much of the of the side effects and the personal stories as possible. You know, so you've got Dr. Peter McCullough, who focuses a lot on the research and the publications. And I do put a bit of that as well, but that can get a little bit heavy. You know, those, reading scientific um, literature, is, it can be a little bit heavy. I try to focus more on the personal stories and the anecdotes, people coming down 
with injuries and then reporting those injuries. And then I try to get that information out into the world. Uh, you know, whether it's teachers coming down with, with problems, flight attendants, pilots, you know, police officers, uh, uh, whatever, you know, job you may have had that, you know, you were forced to take the vaccines or whatever the situation may be, uh, you took the vaccines in pregnancy or children, you know, children having uh, serious issues from the vaccines. I try to get all of this information out there. Well, it's just endless. I'm looking at all the topics you've covered lately. And I mean, you've, you have amazing, uh, you know, proof that vitamin D truly works. Uh, you're showing that across the world uh, that, you know, even for those with COVID-19. And that's actually one of the things that I gave my dad uh, in great measure when he was in the hospital with um, with COVID and they wouldn't give him ivermectin or hydroxychloroquine. And I did that and I gave him a lot of vitamin D, you know, um, and, uh, my dad left and they, they told my brother, his body was shutting down. So we just don't feel safe anymore. We need to know where to get good information. I encourage all of you watching, please sign up for Dr. Mac at Substack, help him to do what he does. It's $5 us. I mean, if this is worth, you know, 20, $20 US, which of course is close to $100 Canadian, but I'm just kidding. I can't believe the dollar, Dr. Mackis. It's horrible. I know. It's like I the know. Canadian dollar is 60 cents uh, right now, you know, um, to the American dollar. And uh, what what a world. Like it's, it's just a mess on every front. Yeah. And you know, one thing, you, I'm, I'm happy you mentioned the, the vitamin D, uh, even if you've got, if, even if you're hospitalized with COVID 19, I just did an article on that recently. And it's amazing the amount of research that is out there proving that vitamin D, even if you're hospitalized, even if you're in the intensive care unit, reduces mm. death, reduces mortality, reduces ventilator time, reduces risk of being put in the intensive care unit, shortens hospital stay. You wouldn't believe the, the benefits. And, and when I did an article on this, and and some of these protocols they use up to, I think the most I've seen was 600,000 units, 600,000 international units of vitamin D they've used safely and, and to help people uh, get, out of, get out of hospital, right? And, and the research on this, it, when you look at the countries, it's like, you know, countries like India, India Italy, uh, you know, uh, Pakistan, Bangladesh, like it's, it's not Canada, it's not United States, uh, who are leading the charge. It's other countries in the world who are publishing about, you know, these amazing benefits of vitamin D uh, in patients who are sick, really sick with COVID-19. Uh, there's tremendous benefits. And so that's another thing I've tried to highlight. Uh, and that is another vitamin D has been really smeared by our health authorities in Canada, in the United States. I can tell you, someone asked me recently for the recommendations of Alberta Health Services on vitamin D because they didn't believe me that they didn't believe that the government said that the vitamin D is useless. And so I found the document and I sent it to them. So right here it is in 2021, Alberta Health Services government put out a document saying, don't use vitamin D. It's, it's useless in COVID-19. Uh, there's no evidence. We recommend against using it. And it is the thing that could have helped so many people. Um, not just to stay out of hospitals, but to get out of hospitals much quicker. Wow. Well, thank you so much, Dr. Mackis. Thank you for all that you tell us and uh, the information that you bring. I always let you know that you are a hero to us. I'm sorry for the dark nights you faced. I'm sorry for the difficulties you faced. 
but history is going to record you as a hero for Canada and the world. Thank you for what you continue to do. We're going to sign up for your Substack, everybody, and uh, keep up the good work, Dr. Mackis. We'll see you again. Thank you, Laura Lynn. Thank you. I appreciate that man. My website is lauralyn.tv. I have got to uh, run to do another interview right now. Thank you very much to all of you who enjoy this show and who like um, getting the information that we're giving you that you can't find on mainstream media. When you support us, you support the truth. So if you click on that button, donate now, uh, it lets us know that you're in support of hearing this truth because the, you know, honestly, we can't keep, um, you know, doing it without you. It takes all of us and it means so much if you can just, you know, share a little bit so that you're also part of what we're doing, which is, which is a, a mighty harvest of truth telling the world these broadcasts that I'm doing, Dr. Mackis, uh, we've had, um, you know, tweets of Dr. Mackis information that have gone into the hundreds of thousands, if not millions, and they get around the world and they inform other doctors and they let people know around the world the truth because they're not getting it on the CBC. We can tell you that with great, great accuracy that you can. So thank you for supporting us. My, my email is laurelynlive at protonmail.com. If you can help us, thank you. And um, we also have snail mail. So I'm going to let you go. Um, I want to read to you. There's some really evil things that are going on in this world and it causes death. Um, it causes harm to human beings and children. A lot of bad stuff's happening. So this is what the Word of God says about sin and death. In Romans 6, verse 11, it says, In the same way, count yourselves dead to sin, but alive to God in Christ Jesus. Therefore, do not let sin reign in your mortal body so that you obey its evil desires. Do not offer any part of yourself to sin as an instrument of wickedness, but rather offer yourselves to God as those who have been brought from death to life and offer every part of yourself to him as an instrument of righteousness. For sin shall no longer be your master because you are not under the law, but under grace. And this verse speaks to the fact that, you know, in the Old Testament, um, there was all kinds of laws and rules about how people were to live, how you could be righteous and not do this and not do that. And then Jesus came and he, he brought the grace of God. He brought not the law, not living up to all the rules, but actually understanding that that the price that Jesus paid uh, covered a multitude of sin and that that's truly all we need. And it asks you, though, to be obedient, that you would use your personal will because there's different parts of us, right? Like um, that there's this side of us that's so significant. We're the only created beings that have it. Dogs don't run around going, should I sin today or not? No, you know, if they're going to bite someone, they just bite them. Um, you know, or they're a nice dog or whatever. They're, they're not thinking about, why am I here? Right? But human beings, uh, we were given this really strange thing. It's called a soul. It's uh, called your will. So you get to choose whether you will sin or not. So what the Word is asking you is that you would become dead to sin. And when you do that, you invite the presence, the 
grace, the favor of Almighty God. When you do that, you become powerful in Him. He gives you the strength to overcome everything. When you follow God's ways, He honors that. So everyone, it's time to put aside that sin that so easily besets us. Some of you are struggling with sin. I'm telling you, the times are getting so bad, you do not have time in your life to keep messing up. You don't have time in your life to keep not being diligent, not being obedient to what is right. It's time, it's time to walk in. The word that I'm looking for is you have to have self-discipline. You have to use your will to choose what is right. When you do that, God honors it. I love you all. Thank you for watching. And please, if you can support Dr. Magnus, please do. God bless. We'll see you next time. Take care. You know, it's not easy to deliver the truth of what our sick world is doing. But for some of us, we feel that we have no choice. Because if we are silent about these abominable things, then we are letting evil go unchecked and we cannot do that. For those of you wonderful people who are writing me and are sharing your encouragement, I am deeply grateful. Thank you for all the letters that you've been sending. Thank you for the donations and the support. I found out that in order to speak the truth, you have to become very, very strong. If you would go to my website at www.lauralyn.tv, you'll find all of the ways that you can contact me. Remember, my friends, all is well. All is well. Thanks for joining me.